All right, today, um, man, have you guys heard of TED Talks? Today's a dad talk, all right? I just feel led to do a dad talk. I don't do it often. I I seldom, if ever, do it. Um, But there's a few things that that are, I feel, the Lord's heart today. To connect Kendall's um, message a couple weeks ago to the youth from last week, I also feel there's, there, it's on his heart to really address a concern, to, um, dis, to expose the enemy. I think the enemy's in work in some things right now. I think that there's some distractions. I've heard stories from you in your life and washers breaking down and hot water heaters breaking down. And I believe the enemy is on assignment to distract us, to divide us, and to literally kill and destroy us. So as we continue to seek the Lord and seek his presence and put him first, as we begin to build and we begin to expand and have this momentum of growth, there's nothing more that the enemy would want than to distract that, divide that, crush that, cancel that, and and limit what the possibility is there. And I see some things happening in the church. I see some things happening outside the church. I hear some discord. I hear some gossip. And I hear some things that are happening in your homes that there, again, is nothing more the enemy would like than to break up your marriage, to distract you from your assignment and your family's mission, to to take you off course. But I serve a God in John 10.10 who says that the enemy came to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to what? Give life and life what? more abundantly. So um, my mom, when we were building this church and just before we got in here, there was a lot of new people, a lot of, a lot of new things going on. And, and some of the old were struggling with some of the new. And I'll never forget what she said. We were on the back porch. She's like, Aaron, this train's a moving. And people can either get on board or they're going to get left behind. And I remember my brother has repeated that. Now he changed it a little bit. He's like, they can get on board or get out of the way. My mom's heart to my brother's heart sometimes different, but I feel both are sometimes right, all right? But here's the deal. I feel like today I'm going to give you my life's message, all right? There's nothing new today. If you've been here, uh, you're going to hear the three generations. You're going to hear the wineskins, and you're going to hear the batons, arrows, and stones, all right? I'm going to give you my life's message today, and I'm not ashamed of that. So it's the dad talk where you're going to hear the same stories over and over again. And I want you to look to your neighbor right now and say, this message is for me. Come on, say, it's for me. It's for this season right now. All right, so let's go to 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, uh, again, connecting a little bit with what Kendall said. If you remember back to what Kendall preached a couple weeks ago, how many enjoyed the pastor from St. Lucia, Kendall Augustine? It was good. So cool. Um, and he talked about, for God does not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but what? Power, love, sound mind, or wisdom and revelation, right? So let's just go back to the beginning of that a little bit, and it ties into the youth, it ties into us, and it ties into that we need a fresh encounter of the Lord. How many need a fresh encounter? Well, let me remind you that in Exodus, it says, don't live off of yesterday's bread, but fresh man is coming. If yesterday's experience is greater than our destiny, then we're already dying and dead. We have to have fresh encounters, fresh bread daily. We have to, to be uh, uh, not just okay, but, but be hungry for a newness in the Lord. The, in Psalms, he says he, to bring him a what? A new song. 
So there's this thing to where I want to connect to generations and I want to connect to the, you know, what, what Paul is telling Timothy here because we need that fresh encounter. We need to pursue him as much today as we did the day we got saved. As much today as the day we got baptized in the Holy Spirit or received an anointing or a gifting or, or heard about Jesus for the first time. I believe like there is this hunger that needs to be in us that, that he will quench an appetite for the hunger that we have. And if our eyes are on him, and our, I, I prayed this morning for the team that we would have horse blinders on and only pursue his presence. Because when our eyes are on him and our focus is on him, we can't focus on anybody or anything else. I think sometimes we get caught up in stuff and, well, he said this, or they're doing this, or the, blah, 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 they have this. And, and all of a sudden, then our eyes are drawn to that. I remember being in driver's training, and we were back here in this neighborhood going through my drive time with the instructor. All of a sudden, he grabs the wheel and scares the crap out of me. I was like, what just happened, right? And what happened was, he says, wherever you look, you're going to go. And I was veering to the cars parked on the side because that's where I was looking, afraid that that's what I was going to hit. And at times, I believe when we get off course that we, we just miss the mark. It might just be a little bit on a compass, but eventually we find ourselves over here, and now we're involved in discord, and now we're involved in what God's not doing and what the enemy is doing rather than what God is doing. I get caught up in that. This didn't happen, and that didn't happen. I found myself in that last week after service. I was like, well, this, you know, and this, and this was weird, and this. But instead of focusing and celebrating what the Lord did in the youth, Instead of focusing and, and paying attention to what, like my daughter bringing her first message and preaching sermon ever. And I had to just take myself, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. We are not going to focus and give the enemy credit by not focusing on what you're not doing or what he is doing. We're going to focus on what you are doing. So first, first Timothy 1, let's go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace. Everybody say grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's, here's Paul writing Timothy this letter, and he says grace, mercy, and peace. Now I believe his first instruction here connects us back to grace, mercy, and peace. I believe there's a connection because he's saying grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Now here's my first instruction, and here's, here's what he talks about. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. This is a father. This is Paul coming as like a spiritual father, a mentor, discipling, you know, caring for Timothy. He's coming with this father's heart. I pray for you day and night. My heart is turned towards you day and night. And he, and he goes on to say, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, all right? And now, I am sure, dwells in you. Everybody say three generations. Some of you old timers, you knew it was coming. It dwelled in your grandmother, it dwelled in your mother, and now, Timothy, I am sure you are carrying this. And he goes on to say, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor that I'm a prisoner, or I'm in prison. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You know this costs something? Everything comes with a cost. Let me just tell you this. When I chose Jesus, I gave up all my old friends. 
When I chose Jesus, I gave up so many things. When I said yes to Nicole, I said no to all the other women that wanted me. I had to just sneak that in there. I'm sorry. No, she's the one and only. When I said yes to her, I said no to more time with buddies, more time golfing. More. When I said yes to children, right, it's less time on these other things because there are priorities, there are sacrifices. But he said it comes, the gospel, being a believer, being a leader, it comes with a cost. It, it will cost you something. There is a price. Jesus paid a price for our salvation. His blood paid that price, right? Moving on. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. It's God that calls us to a holy calling. Don't think for a second it's, it's within me or my, what I've learned at school or what, what I, what I've, what I, how I grow in listening to podcasts. No, the Lord put an anointing in me to preach the gospel, to declare the good news, to, to raise up leaders, to, to pastor this church. There are more people in here qualified than me, but he chose me. And if we have that belief that God sits up and God sits down, let's trust him. We go, well, hey, why are they doing it? Why are they? Uh, they uh, because God put him there. God put me here. Okay? That's the truth. So we either say we trust God or we don't because if we're believing that he is the one that puts an anointing and puts somebody in, then we have to trust him through the process, even if it's not how we think it should go. Amen. I'm sure there's times my dad was like, I don't know what that boy's doing, but I'm going to trust God. Here in another month or two, I'll be pastoring this church longer than my dad did. And I'm sure there's been times he's like, ooh, okay, Lord, be in this. But he let go. It was this process, but we honored one another. So here's, here's, here's a key point here. Not because of your works. I love the song we were singing, not for perfection, not to earn it, not to strive for it, and not because you deserve it. That's actually one translation says, and not deserving it. Let me just say, we don't deserve any of this. We don't des I don't deserve a microphone. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to, to have the life I have. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve grace, mercy, and peace. I don't deserve forgiveness, but the blood. But the blood paid a price. Moving on. It says this. But because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, he ordained our steps. He, he, he put our steps in order. He, he called us by name. He formed us before we were even in our mother's womb, right? He numbered the hairs on our head. I don't understand how we can say we are professing Christians, believing that a creator, God, created the universe and all humanity and pick and choose to be racist against a, 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 a group or say that we can kill a baby before they're actually can, um, born into the world, right? It's, it's, if you believe in creation, you believe that we're all created in his image. So why would you judge or be against a different color of race? If you believe that God created us in his image, how in the world can you read your scripture and say that it's okay to kill a baby in a womb? Who he's already called by name, who he's already numbered the hairs in their head. So yeah, we are not ashamed of that. That's a hill I'm willing to die on. I don't care about a new building. I don't care about any of, any of the stuff in here. I don't care about how many people are here. I want his presence, and I want his perfect will. All right, Matthew twenty two thirty two 32 says this. Point it today. We need each other. 
Corey preached this, talking about the differences of the body and, and coming from where Paul is. We need you. He said, I need you. We need you. We need each other. We need the old. We need the new. We need the old generation, what should we call mature. And we need the young generation coming up and pushing the envelopes. And we need everybody in between. We need each other. And, and Matthew writes this, 22, 32. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. He said, so he is the God of the living, not the dead. He is the great I am. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we go to Revelation 4, it writes it like this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who what? Who was, who is, and is to come. We are not a cessationist group here because we believe the word is he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he worked miracles in the Bible, he works them today. If he gave gifts in the Bible, he gives gifts today. But sometimes we can't receive a gift if we're holding on to an old one. We've got to honor the old. We've got to honor those who've went before us. We've got to honor the things that worked. We've got to to be present in this moment and value and appreciate and be grateful and content. But we've got to dream for the future. It's this tension of, of honor, of, of, of contentment, and of dreaming and wanting and being hungry for the more. And it's this tension that's not a balance, it's a tension. And sometimes we might need to honor a little bit more, and sometimes we might need to make way for a little bit more. There, there's this tension that happens, but there's this thing to where he is the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, three generations, to where we have this reflection. I call it the generational convergence. Where, where we're honoring those who've went before us, but not worshiping it. Because if we worship that and we hold on to that, let me just tell you, a new building is never going to be full. A next generation is never going to be welcomed because we're holding on to what used to work. We're holding on to the old. Now, we honor it. We bless it. We thank God for it. But let me, let me fast forward to a few things here because I believe this. What he's doing is he's merging the old and the new. The new steel sits out on the property right now. But we're still in the, the old. Which is better? Both. Which is greater? The fathers and mothers or the sons and daughters? Both. We want to pick and choose and say, well, my way's the right way. The old way was the right way. No, 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 it's all about the new people. There are some concepts and there are some things that actually new need more attention. But the old needs honored. He leaves the 99. Bruce and I had lunch this week and we were talking about this thing of how much more attention the new needs and the new people and the new believers. And by the way, I'm not talking just age. I'm talking about spiritual maturity as well. This is not just the young people versus the old people. I'm talking about the spiritual mature and the spiritually immature. And the spiritually immature, they need the mature to be their biggest fans. They need championed, they need discipled, they need loved on, they need believed in. And if all we're doing is holding on to the old, how are we ever going to make room for the new? I believe in honoring it, but not holding on to it. Let me speak to the young ones now. You need discipled. You need championed. You need love done. You need somebody to believe in you. You need somebody to pray for you day and night and night and day. You need somebody to write you a letter while they're in prison saying, I can't wait to see you because I'm so excited. 
I can guarantee you Timothy was not perfect in his life, and I can guarantee you Timothy pushed Paul a little bit, but here's what Paul is saying. I can't wait to see you. I'm sure that you've grown like your mother and your grandmother. So we have this concept of wineskins, and at times we're like, well, well, it's, it, it's the old wine, it's the old wineskin, it's this, and, and let, let me just tell you, there is this concept. It is not a jar, it is not in a vase, it's not in a glass vial thing. A wineskin in the biblical context was an animal skin. It was an actual skin. You would put the fruit, the juice, everything in there. Gas would expand. It would ferment. And then what happens is it would blow up like a balloon. Then you would pour the wine out, and you would have that wine, but you could never use that old wineskin again because it had already like, gotten crusty, old, and fixed in its permanent spot of being expanded. It doesn't go back in. It's like a balloon that literally broke, but it's just stuck out. Makes sense. Can you envision that? I've showed pictures in the past of it. But let me just tell you this. We sometimes, listen, I'm challenging you to throw out the old wineskins. I am challenging you to say what worked 12 years ago, 25 years ago, 100 years ago in the body of Christ and in the kingdom, it's not going to work for this generation. My grandpa went through different things. Let me just tell you this. My grandpa was a Democrat, but they didn't have abortion in 1960. There's different things we're facing. There's different generation we reach. But guess what? Guess what's still good of that wine and wineskin? The wine. There's still fruit from the old wineskin, but there's a different delivery method. Let me just tell you, God's word, it never changes. God's goodness never changes. God's, God's worthiness never changes. God's blood never changes. It never, ever changes. But guess what? The delivery method can. The worship songs are not the same today that they sang 50 years ago out of hymnals. But I'm not saying those hymns are worthless. But I'm not saying that this is, these are worthless either. I love today's set list because we merged the, the new and then into the old. We, we sang a song that everybody in here should be familiar with about his blood. Because there is a value in this house, the old with the new. There is a value in this house. Let me just say this. It is one of my core values that there will be a generational movement. The, the kingdom cannot expand without the generations. We've seen churches literally die off because the old people in the house were just holding on to the old. My dad got voted out of a church that was thriving and growing and had all this momentum because the original 30 people did not want the new people there. And I can guarantee you they prayed and prayed and prayed for laborers to come. We're sick of doing all the work. We're sick of doing this. And then they show up and it wasn't what or who they thought it was going to be. No different than looking at Jesus coming as Messiah, as the Pharisees, they expected something totally different. But he came as a baby in a manger through a virgin birth. We can overlook the very thing that God is bringing us as a gift if we hold on to the old and not just honor it, but make way for the future. Say, so this message is for me. There's this arrow concept that I preached, and if you want to go like really, really like nerd deep in this, go back to January of 2020 in our messages. There was about eight, six or eight weeks that we just dove into this. And if you can picture an arrow, there's these three parts, three main parts to an arrow. There is the tip, 
or what us hunters would call the broadhead. There's the shaft, and then there's the fletching, the feathers. And there's not one single part of that arrow that is more important than the other. They're both expensive. <laughs> the hunters know. But here's the deal. Without the broadhead, without that young generation, that's, I, I kind of pointed this thing, and you can kind of take Joshua as this example. You can take the Solomon as this example. We'll get to a little bit of that later. I'm going to preach long today. It's going to be a while. So there's the broadhead. That's that generation that we're pushing forward. There's that middle generation that's the shaft. That's, that's driving it, right? But then there is this, the fletching. The, the mature generation is what's guiding and steering. You take the feathers off, that thing just drops. It goes wild. How many know the next generation is wild? Thank you for being wild. Thank you for being different. Because let me just tell you this. I'm not going to reach your friends. Greg isn't going to reach your friends. You are. And let me just tell you, every generation sitting in this place, whether in age or spiritual maturity, you are going to reach those that you have impact to and those that are around you. So this arrow soars to hit the target, but we need all three. We need the young hungering for that maturity, hungering for that discipleship, hungering and honoring those who went before. And we need that older generation who are mature and who no longer need the milk but are eating the meat, right? To, to go ahead and steer and guide and champion and, and, and actually believe in that broadhead that's about to go to war. If you look throughout the history of the Bible, it usually wasn't that first generation that hit the target. It wasn't Moses. Let me give you a wake-up call. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't David that built the temple. It was the next generation. God placed one generation to set up success the next generation. It's this concept of ceiling and floor. And, and we build, we're building a ceiling so that the next generation can build the floor on us. Now let me just say this, it's up to them whether or not they come down and visit the basement and get some nutrients. It's up to them if they come down. Like I, I've learned through youth pastoring and some other things, I do not give unsolicited advice. If I do, I ask permission. So young people, young mature people, young leaders, you need to ask for it. I'm with Bruce at lunch and he's, I look at, he's not only one of our elders here, I look at him as an elder and an elder in the faith. I've only been saved 17 years. I'm asking him questions. Why do you do this? What do you do? What? And I'm just taking it in like a sponge. When I'm with my dad, I called my dad a couple weeks ago. What do you think about this? Am I doing it right? What are your thoughts? I want mentorship. I want, I long to be coached. I long to be discipled. I long to be corrected. To love wisdom is to seek correction. Young people, want correction, want accountability, want that. But the mature people, come on. Come on, if they're not asking, offer it. If they're not asking, offer it. Hey, I see I could add some value here. Would you want it? Go after it. But if nothing else, if nothing else, from the background, behind closed doors, bless them, encourage them. You know, there's a gift of encouragement that Paul had, and that's what he's doing here to Timothy. He's encouraging him. If nothing else, if you're not in a position to disciple, bless them, pray for them, encourage them, champion them. 
My brother does all kinds of amazing stuff at the fire department. And you know the ones he hears about most often is when he didn't do something or when he messed up or they think he should have done something different. You know how often he hears what he did as a great job or buying that new fire truck or building that new station or implementing this program? Seldom. Look at our news. Look at our news. What sells? Negativity. Discord, turning this party against that party, turning this nation against that nation, this tribe against that tribe, this tongue against that tongue. I don't know about you, but my Bible says every tongue, tribe, and nation will be in unity and glorify Jesus together. How can we be in unity if there's any of that not going on in the background? Let me just kind of hone it in here. You have many teachers among you but not many fathers. We need a fathering movement. But let me just tell you this. A fathering movement starts with a sonship movement. You can't be a good dad if you've not been a good son. And you don't need a good dad to be a good son. By the way, if I can be the bride of Christ, ladies, you can be the sons and and fathers. But we're not getting confused on that because we're a church that speaks up for righteousness and truth. We identify as a Christian church. We had to go to Target yesterday. (laughs) We take our kids school shopping, and one of them wanted to go to Target, and I couldn't help as we were in the men's section shopping for graphic tees. Like, see it? It just happens. We're hearing it just happen. We're shopping in the men's department for girls' clothes. This is awful. All right, I mean, I thought that was going to be way funnier, but... (laughs) I guess there's not as much religious spirit in here. There's more of a political spirit. I don't know. All right. All right. Joshua, let me, let me just hone this in, and then I want to I kind of seal the deal here. Joshua, I feel we're moving into this next season. And, and, if, and if you remember my last message out of Nehemiah, was get your house in order. I believe there's been some setup here from the Lord. And let me just say, I sought the Lord so much this week. Didn't return many texts or calls, didn't engage him much. I just prayed, and I prayed a lot in tongues. And, and I want to hear his voice. I want to be clear. I want to be clear for this next season. I want to have his wisdom, his heart of what we pursue. I've sought counsel, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just spending time with the Lord. And I feel there is, this, there is this thing that the enemy wants to take us off track when the Lord is just this open heaven's realm. It's this open heavens realm, and I do not like giving the enemy any credit, any glory, or or anything, but there is this open heavens realm, and I think the enemy is irritated by it. I think he was irritated last week to see the youth so on fire and receiving their impartations and their identities and their purposes in Christ, all right? So, so here's the deal, but I believe we're in this, this there's this transition, right? And sometimes it, our transition lies between our brokenness and our breakthrough, so there is breakthrough that's coming, but all of a sudden in this, in this middle season, right, the three generations and threes, there is this thing that, that is sometimes looks like a breakdown, looks like brokenness. How many have been experiencing some, some brokenness, breakdowns? Literally, we have a new car, and, and the windshield just totally cracked out of nowhere. Just, it's like every week there's something. Now I'm to the point like, thank you, Jesus. There's another thing preventing the building project right now. Another thing, not, something that's not even legal. It's like, hey, 
Lord, we're, we're, we're giving you praise because we know the enemy's against this. So it must be good. It must be really good. I remember the first time when we built this and we were growing, experiencing the same momentum, there was all these things and we were fighting for unity and fighting for this and there was distractions. Then all of a sudden my mom died, which was a catastrophic thing for our body, our church that believed in healing, right? And I believe, I feel, I was telling Nicole, it feels like the same sense of attacks without a death. It feels even almost to the same level of, of attack and division and there's not even been a death. It's crazy. But God... So Joshua, he, he, Moses had the vision for the promised land, right? And when he's talking about in, in the last days, I'll pour up my spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters will prophesy, right? And he talks about young men with, with, with visions, old men with dreams. Acts 2, I'll skip it for the sake of time. See, because let me just tell you this, the, the, the dreams, the visions and all of that, there's, there's builders and there's architects. And I believe the sons are the builders and the dads are the architects. The children are the builders. They're the tip of the arrow. Are you with me? But it's the fathers and the mothers that are the architects. They're helping cast that vision. They're helping to steer. If you look at David rebuilding the temple, he lined up all the resources and, and did everything he could. And you've heard me talk about that over the last few weeks. And he just gave it all away. On Father's Day, I said the difference between a dad and a son is a dad gives it all away. I don't build wealth for myself. I don't build anything for myself. The only thing I get is just to give away. It's not for me. That's a father's heart, right? So we get to this thing with Moses and Joshua. And Moses, he, he, gets, he gets the vision from the Lord. He gets the prophetic call to go into the promised land. Then all of a sudden, he's like, nope, it's not you. So Moses set Joshua up for success. But we get to the place in the story. We get to this place in, in uh, Joshua, I believe, 5. And we get to this place, and, and, and it's going through this whole section where it says the fathers and the grandfathers, the ancestors, have been circumcised. They had walked with Moses. They had paid a price, right? But us, Joshua, that generation hadn't been circumcised. It hadn't cost them. It didn't, it didn't come with a price, right? So they, so they go there, and it's this place called Gilgal. It's still called that today, right? Is what the word says. So they come to this river. They come to this. It says, grab flint knives and rocks and circumcise. I'm not asking for circumcision today. That's weird. That'd be worse than my target joke. But here's the deal. There's this, there's this thing to where it costs something, but it says they stayed there and they rested for two weeks. As they rested and they reflected and they actually honored the generation above them, and then they looked forward to and received the mantle to go into the promised land. So, so the Lord, he started to challenge me. What, what's this mean? Well, there's a difference between covenant people and members and convenient let me just tell you, you say we're going to go to the riverside and grab, grab rocks and circumcise one another. Yeah, the convenient people, they're gone. <laughs> Circumcision is truly a symbol of covenant. So they're making a covenant with the Lord, but they're making a covenant. And Joshua's like, listen, I need you to re-up. Are you in or are you out? This cost our fathers and our grandfathers something, but are you in? Because if you're in... So... Here's this there's, this, there's this thing to where are we committed or are we convenient? Are we commissioned or are we cop-outs? Are we connected or are we critics? If you're a critic, you are not connected to this body. Because let me just tell you this, covenant looks like family. And I would never, ever 
ever tolerate my daughter calling my other daughter a name, belittling her, trying to convince her that she's not who somebody God created her to be, and not being their biggest fans. We correct it all the time. It happens. They bicker, they fight, they're kids. But let me just say this. It is not tolerated in our house. And we tell them, you are each other's best friends. You are each other's biggest fans. And if you're against each other, who can ever be for you? So if you're a critic, you're not connected. You're not covenant. You're not family. Because family roots each other on. Family celebrates who one another is without stumbling over who we're not. Family is each other's biggest cheerleaders. Family is safe. Family is loving. Family is a place I want to be. And I believe family is the government of heaven. So it's time to go. It's time to go together. Let me, let me um, just, just wrap this up because I have some visions for the end here. I want to tell a story. Nicole and I, we, we thought it'd be uh, God's great idea. We sought the Lord. We sought wisdom. We asked tons of people. We had people prayer covering it. We asked for prophetic words, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we decided to buy a house built in the 1830s on a dream. I had a dream in the night. We had this house, and that dream for almost three years was a complete, utter nightmare. But what we did was, we tried to, and when you have a house built in the 1830s, there's obviously some things that don't work right. But built in the 1830s, you want to preserve as much as you possibly can. So our door is the original door built in the 1830s. Our, our trim and all of our woodwork built in the 1830s. Most of our interior doors built in the 1830s, solid wood. You, like 300 pounds a door, right? The glass on our original door is, is, is original, okay? But yet, there was things that just don't work. So we changed it to the new. Our kitchen, it, it, it wasn't working. So we gutted the whole thing, thanks to Dan's help, all right? There was a lot, Dan, man, you were a blessing in that season. 15 days, he gave me night and day, because we had 15 days to move out of our old house from when we got the new. And we were working all kinds of hours. Anyway, so... I tried to preserve as much as I could and save the old, but yet we wanted to change, and there was, there was a need for the new, a bathroom, a, a, a kitchen, right? But then there was some new that was already redone that were like, yeah, that new don't work, because sometimes even the new has to be changed. So we walk in, and we save this for the end. It had orange, bright orange-brown shag carpet throughout the whole house. You know, they actually sell combs that you can comb out that shag carpet. I wasn't ready to comb it, so we tore it all out. And all of a sudden, we saw these beautiful stairs with beautiful woodwork, right? I'm here to kind of apply this to life. Like, I want to honor and I want to preserve what works from the old. I'm good with it. And there's going to be new things that just need change. We need upgrade. Nicole would not allow us to keep a single old toilet in that house. Some of them were in perfect working order. She's like, I am not sitting on somebody else's toilet. So we bought three new toilets. Whether we needed it or not, that was the priority. All right? And by, so I avoided that rabbit trail. You're welcome. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to move on if I don't say it. When we have guests over, Nicole refuses to clean a toilet. I have to clean the toilets when we have parties and guests and host leader things. Nicole will not do it. She's got a thing with toilets. If I go sit on a toilet and I do my business, Nicole will not come and sit on that toilet. She'll do the hover like she's in a public bathroom. I was like, what are you doing? I warmed up the seat for you. That's disgusting. 
We're family. We're family. Welcome to the family. We're walking across bloodlines, talking about poo and discussing toilets. Welcome to the family. And I'm doing my best to give you a good message without having you all leave. Thank you, Jesus. But there are some things we're going to try and bring in the new, and we just have to have grace. We have you to trust the Lord most of all, and sometimes us. And sometimes we're going to miss the mark. And sometimes we're going to offend. Let me just say this. Not sometimes. We are always going to offend you. We're always going to do something wrong. We're always got, not going to do what you think is probably the best way to do something or the right way or the right people. Let me just throw that out there. I need you to remove the expectation of perfection in this place. And I need you to give up your control and let your hands go and trust the Lord. That's what I need. Because we are going to let you down. My kids are going to let you down by being the pastor's kids and not being perfect. My kids are going to mess up. Your kids are going to mess up. And I'm going to love them through every mistake they ever make. And I'm not just talking about mine. I'm talking about your kids. And I'm going to believe in them, and I'm going to cheer them on, and I'm going to encourage them, and we're going to surround them with the greatest love and grace and forgiveness that you will ever imagine in this place. And your grandkids, and those relapses from Celebrate Recovery, and everything else you can imagine. Let me just tell you, we are not in a perfect world, and we were never made it to be perfect. This is what perfects us in his image, this blood. Sometimes getting rid of the old is so hard, and it's so hard to let go. That's why that's an expression, letting go is hard. And we're not asking you to forsake the old. We're asking you to honor the old, but embrace the new. Let, let, me, let me get on to a few more things. Matt and I, we went to this. I told you I'm going to be long. I don't regret it yet. If I see a few more of you leave, I might start to regret it, and I'll trim it down. But if you get bored and this isn't for you, just leave. I, I will not be offended. Matt and I, we went to this church. We were asked to speak in one of the, um, uh, one of the mayors in the past, one of their churches. And we were asked to come in, and, and we were asked to speak to the contemporary church, their contemporary group. Uh, Matt, do you remember this? <laughs> so we get there, and the average age was, I think, 107. No, I kid you not. I think the youngest one there was about 75 or 80. And this was their contemporary group. We're like, okay, not what I expected. Okay, contemporary group. And I remember giving them like keys to the kingdom, keys to serving. We're growing, we're thriving. We just built this place somewhere around that era. And we go there like, we need what you guys have. We need, and this is the mayor saying, come, come to our church. We need to do something. It's all old people. We're not growing. We don't know what to do. And, and we just need something fresh. Will you please come help us? Will you come speak to our contemporary group? Yeah, sure, absolutely. We'd be honored to, Mayor. We get there. Like, okay, contemporary group. Matt and I go for it. We swing for the fence, and it felt like a home run, didn't it, Matt? It felt good. All of a sudden, this old man comes up to us. This more mature man comes up to us. I don't want to offend anybody. He's like, love what you said. Agree with it all. Ain't going to work here. The old woman, women, they're just holding on to everything. And then he points, he's like, the concrete is set in. <laughs> Remember that? The concrete set in. Let me interpret what he just said. He appreciates us, but we just wasted our time 
because they're going to allow no change. And I don't see any new cars in that parking lot yet. If we're not careful, we're going to let the concrete set in. And I'm not talking concrete for a new building. I'm talking about the concrete and the mindset because Romans says that we are renewed by what? The transformed mind, the way we think, it has to be different. Now, embracing different just to be different, nope, not into that. Don't want to be different just to be different. I want to be different the way the world sees us because I don't want to seek after the things the world's seeking. I don't want to be different to be different. I don't need programs. We don't want programs. We want presence. We don't want programs. We want presence. And unfortunately, in the Western church culture, that's different. Let me just finish up a few things, I promise. If we're beholding onto these things and the old ways and, and all of this, how are we beholding onto the face of Jesus Chloe talked about yesterday? Because whatever we hold on to, wherever our eyes are fixed, that's where we're going. And if our eyes are on somebody else, they're not on him. If our eyes are on him, they can't be on anybody else. Just think about that. There's a reason they put the blinders on the horse so they run their race. And they don't get distracted by the horses or the jockeys or the people in the stands or the people throwing popcorn or whatever they do in these horse races or the big fancy hats. They're there to run their race. We are here to run our race. I don't want to look at other churches and know what they're doing. I, I celebrate what they're doing. But that doesn't define who we are. Well, Ginsburg's doing this, or this is doing, great. That's amazing. We love them. We bless them throughout the years. This is the stuff we hear as pastor. Well, well, somebody will come here. Well, we should do this. They do this. That is great. You know that one, that one service here? You should just go there. That'd be awesome. Or even belong there. That's fine, too. We don't care. We're a family here, and we're pursuing his presence the way God's called us to pursue his presence. And if it's not a good fit for you, there are 300 other churches in this county that you could be a part of. I'm not exaggerating. There are 330 registered ministries and churches in Miami County. There's a lot of flavor. There's a lot of choices, and we're not the only one. We bless you if this isn't a good fit for you, and we actually, just as much as we're back here cheering each other on, we'll be back here cheering you on, and there are no hard feelings. Let, let, me, let me finish this out. As much as we honor the old, we need to embrace the new. And embracing the new doesn't mean we're dishonoring the old. I waited two years to change anything in the office here. My dad had, was the pastor when we built this building. My mom passed away just shortly before we move in. And my, my dad kind of had picked out everything. He loves eagles, had lots of eagles, different things. I waited two, if not three years, before I changed a single thing in that office. Because I thought by not doing that, I would be dishonoring my dad. If I changed something, I thought I was dishonoring him. Embracing the new isn't dishonoring the past. It's actually a way of honoring the past. My dad got remarried. And I remember Pastor Mike Henson. He said, embracing Patty is only honoring your mom because your dad had something so special, he wants that again. Like Nicole earlier, my mind was like... I didn't look at it like that. I didn't look at that my dad had something special and he wants that again. And now, as a gift from the Lord, he gets to experience that with Patty. And he gets to do life still. He gets to, he is full. And Patty, I'm here to tell you, you probably saved my dad's life. And it's an honor to have you in our family. It really is. Josh, my little brother. Never thought I'd have a little brother. 
It is an honor. My dad was not doing well, and you came in his life, and you changed everything. And we were scared of you. We were scared of, of, of what you were bringing, who you were. We didn't know you. You were from a different state. We had met you one time, I think, before you guys actually got married. And in our fears, the Lord was in work, and he was working it out. And what was wanting to divide our family, the Lord brought it together. And you are a blessing to this house, and you're a blessing to our family. And I thank you, and you're a blessing to my dad. All right, I, I'm, I'm done uh, with the message. Paul Udall speaks this message on, on arrows, stones, and batons, okay? And I want to do a few prophetic acts right now because l- let, me, let me just say something. Arrows, l- let me just, these three things really quick, all right? Give me 20 minutes, we'll be out of here. But it's going to be powerful. The next 20 minutes are going to be powerful, and I believe the Lord's going to work something in this house for the unity of this house to see the next season. Arrows are our sons and daughters that go where warriors cannot. They are launched. They're held in a quiver. They're polished. They're cared for. And then they are sent where warriors can't go. Okay? Stones, stones are launched, but they're not recovered, and they become part of the landscape. Does this make sense? If you think metaphorically what we're looking at here in the future, and when we launch people versus send people, okay? And then there's batons. Now, batons, they're passed on from generation to generation, person to person. There's batons, and they're passed on. And if it's not passed on right, Leah, what happens? Do you pass a baton in your 400? Okay. Okay. It's dropped, right? What happens when you drop a baton? You're going to win that race? You're going to lose that race. Because somebody has perfected the passing of the baton, and somebody has practiced and practiced and practiced, and when that baton is passed appropriately, all of a sudden, you're just commissioning the next generation, the next team, the next person, the next thing, to go on to that next thing. Make sense? But it's in the passing. So I had this vision of, of doing some things here, and I had it's very, very clear, okay? And there's times where we've done this well, there's times we haven't. There's times we did it so long ago, we forgot we did it. And there's times where we haven't even done it. And I'll be honest, after almost 13, 12, 13 years of this, I forget all of the above. I kind of go on for the day. Okay, does my family have food? Okay, what's well, at the fire department? What are we going to, okay. Oh, what's, I got to preach Sunday. Oh, what are, what are we going to preach? Okay, so it's like, so I forget a lot of things. So I had this vision of passing batons today. And I had this vision to honor some of those that either we did it so long ago we forget, we didn't do it at all, or maybe we didn't do it right, okay? So I want to pass some batons. Can you...